Welcome to the Bomb Shelter, your weekly journey through the miraculous world of film. Okay, all right. This is episode eight of our <laughs> podcast known as the Bomb Shelter. Yes. This is a, a, a little different than it has been so far, but not that different, which is good. Because the way it's worked so far has been all right. W w would yes. you say something also, else, Pat? We're averse towards change. Uh, the reason that it's different is because we're on different time zones right now. Very different. Vastly time zones. different time zones. That's the main difference. The second difference is that Max had to suffer through this week's feature presentation, <laughs> as he has, as he has kind of for the last three weeks. Well, <laughs> I I have to say the final note that I took on this week's feature presentation is not as agonizing, but I have. I have some uh, reasons as to why I that guess. ended up being the case, but we'll get to that once mm. we discuss our feature presentation Interesting. of this Interesting. week, which is um, The Last of the Airbenders. I think that's what that movie The Last is of All the Airbenders. There you um, go. That's, I think that's the title. Uh, but before we get into that, Max, uh, we got to do a couple of things. The first thing is be very thankful of everyone that has listened to our show up to this point. Uh, this is a show that is very enjoyable for both of us to do. And the fact that you keep listening in and participating in the polls and giving us reactions. Uh, I've gotten comments from a couple of people uh, telling me that they thoroughly enjoy our show. And I'm very thankful for that. So thank you to all those people that listen to us. If you are listening to us and you are not subscribed, please subscribe in your favorite platform. And then you go on every other platform where this podcast is available and subscribe as well. Um, listen to us over and over and over and over as many times as you'd like. Um, I do that sometimes. Sometimes I just play my own podcasts. Whatever. Really? I don't care. Yes. I mean... Of course I do. What did you think I did on the bus... Right now I'm in Mexico City. What did you think I do on the bus on the way here? Little insight Except into listen to the <laughs> into, into Pat's our, life. Oh my god! No, into our workflow process. So uh, Pat comes up with the amazing titles and the episode descriptions, uploads yeah. them onto our uh, podcast distribution service provider. I take care of post production, so I edit it. So by yeah. nature of my job, I have to listen to the podcast <laughs> at least twice, at yeah, least at twice least. before we put it out. So by the time we put it out, I can't really listen to it anymore. I've heard it too many times. Yeah. So I listen to it once uh, for fun and also for uh, to match the effort, the amount of effort that Max puts into this thing, because <laughs> it is a lot. Uh, I, apart from our audience, I also want to thank Max for all the effort he puts into this show that we start together. Because it's very fun. Um, it is very fun. Max, do you, do you got anything to say before we get into the segments and then the feature presentation of this week? Well, oh, I've, well, uh, the film festival, I've been, I was at a film festival and came back. Yes. Since the last How time was we it? recorded. It was, it was lovely. The, the lovely people at, uh, at UAQ, Universidad uh, Autónoma de Querétaro, they treated me very nicely. Um, yeah. I've met I met some lovely people, some lovely creators, some very good creators there. I got cool. to see a bunch of uh, incredible pieces of work, and the, the fact that was the first like proper thing that I made got to yeah. be in the program with 
this these other creators it was it was an honor it was inspiring i left feeling very very nice about the future of the art form as you will <laughs> <laughs> well that's great max i'm very happy for you i'm very happy that that went well uh, well deserved success and well deserved good vibes coming your way my friend uh max What's the first segment we usually do on the show before we get into the feature presentation part? We talk about the films or TV shows that we watched last week. I uh, Or I was... like birds. Like if you're a bird watcher, the species of birds that we watched. Um, the stuff that we watched this week. Is that right? Well, I was going to limit. Well, I would limit myself to visual media. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not yeah. that big on... Bird watching. I was terrible in biology class in high school and yeah. in the one elective that we had to do out of the science for 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 my degree. Uh, I barely passed, but I passed and I'm, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> sure. that I did. I couldn't have graduated otherwise. Couldn't have graduated otherwise. Um, Max, what did you watch this week? Well... I sat on a transcontinental flight for yeah. a very, very, very long time, which, you know, is you know, cool because I get to travel the world. This is uh, what, I, what I've gotten to do. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And also, I had enough time to watch a couple of movies that I hadn't seen that were in program awesome. with the airline. So the first of my free part odyssey into movies during this transcontinental flight was stanley kubrick's barry lyndon have you seen barry oh, lyndon i have not i it should is, it is three hours long yeah <laughs> i would say it's split up into two parts i'm not sure they're equal in length but basically act one is your introduction to this character redmond barry who is an irishman who ends up um, fleeing his tribe because he murders a British officer <gasps> and he gets tangled into a life of servitude, servitude for being a soldier and into swindling rich people, right? That is the origin story of Barry Lyndon. And then the second act is the downfall oh, okay. of Barry Interesting. Lyndon. There you go. Interesting, so, interesting. Very interestingly structured. That's the first part. I think, given that this film was made a long time ago, it would serve to inspire a lot of future work. I certainly felt inspired as well. It is uh, very, very well acted. It can drag on at times, although most of the runtime, I think, is justified. So a recommendation on my end, Barry Lyndon. I follow that up with a slightly more uh, modern film. It was by Paul Thomas Anderson called Inherent Vice. And it's an adaptation of a book that I yeah. uh, read, read a while ago. Not going to lie, it took, me, it took me some time to get through it because the book is written in a way where the characters speak in, well, I guess slang of yeah. the time. And it's well, there's some words that they mis mispronounce that that's what you would say today, but you no, know, it was 
back in the day, that's how you pronounce certain words, and they're spelled the way that you pronounce them back then. So yeah, I felt stupid a couple of times uh, googling words <laughs> that oh, that's just a slight misspell of this other word that I already know. Okay, and by the time by the time that I uh, finished this movie, I felt delirious and outside of my body, and I'm pretty sure that's how Paul Thomas Anderson wanted people to feel both during and yeah, after watching this knows? film but i have to be honest i have to watch it again one more time to clearly get the story now that i know the gist of it but the visual presentation you know it's great it's paul thomas anderson so he's not going to fuck that up and joaquin phoenix is very funny in the movie josh brolin is very funny in the movie benicio mm, del toro right. plays a small supporting character who's also very funny so inherent vice. Those are three good actors. Yes, absolutely. You inherent named three vice, good actors. Slight recommendation, just because I need to see it myself at least one more time. And then I finished yeah. this flight triple feature with last year's sci-fi film from Kogonada called After Yang. Oh, that sounds fun. I've I wanted to watch that for a while now. Yes. Unfortunately, it hasn't been available in Mexico in any way. I don't think it was in mm, yeah. cinemas, and it's not on platforms anywhere. But it was on this flight, which I, I'm very grateful for. And it's good. It has a an amazing opening title sequence with a lot of the film's protagonists dancing. There's yeah. also a very specific context in which this dance sequence <laughs> yeah. happens in that is very, okay. very lovely. It's, well, quintessentially existential sci-fi okay. with some lovely production design, a nice lead performance from Colin Farrell. I would absolutely recommend to, Sounds to great. our listeners to seek out After Yang as soon as it comes out, rather. Yes. Well, and then, then that sounds a lot of fun. And then there's one other film that I I saw, which I think everyone in the world might have seen opening weekend. And that's yeah, a Spider I, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. But why don't we save our discussion of that film until you mention what you saw up until then? Oh, um. So this past week, I watched quite a bit of stuff. I watched the Little Mermaid remake, which is surprisingly very good. Okay. I'm not going to say well, very good might be an overstatement, but in terms of like in the in terms of like a Disney live action remake, it's it ranks pretty high on that list. It's like right behind Aladdin for me uh or uh the Cinderella remake, which I thought was really good. To me, Jungle Book is still top tier and as a movie, I think it's one of the few remakes that are better than the movie it's remaking. Um, and I, I would say that there's a case to be made for this new Little Mermaid movie. Um, certainly the story feels more complete. The character of Ariel feels like an active character with choices instead of a superficial 15-year-old who just wants legs. Um, there's a more fleshed-out character to Prince Eric. There's a more fleshed-out character to a lot of the stuff in this movie that I did not expect there to be. Um, yes, the effects are a little wonky, but not every movie can take 11 years to make underwater the way Avatar did 
because these people want money. Um, Halle Bailey, wonderful, wonderful. Nails every scene she's in. She's got the chop vocal chops for it. Uh, you don't need to be Meryl Streep to play Ariel in The Little Mermaid, but she's very convincing and very talented. Uh, Melissa McCarthy does great. David Diggs does great as uh, Sebastian. Um, to me, the gripes about this movie are like, well, there's visual choices that are very strange. Like, why would you make Flounder look the way he does? Uh, because he's terrifying in this movie. Um, but apart from that, you know, pretty good. Pretty fun, enjoyable uh, movie. I went to the theater and there were people that were clapping and some of them were crying because uh, it's a very emotional movie for okay, a lot so of people. Okay, so clapping for um, the right reasons. Clapping for the right reasons, yes. That's good. That's um, nice. The second thing that I watched is the entirety of season three of I Think You Should Leave, the best show on Netflix. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I Think You Should Leave is one of those shows that it's kind of funny the first time, and then you watch it again another time, and you're like, this is a network of comedic genius. Uh, the hot dog sketch, I was apprehensive at the beginning in season one, and then I watched it again, and I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen, which it is. It's incredible. Uh, it's and both, so is Cop. It's both really, really funny and horrifying at the same time, because you, <laughs> it's, it's, you've, you've, it's, it's a situation not obviously with the same context, We've all been in no. in a situation like that, and remembering <laughs> stuff been... like that is terrific. <laughs> like like horror, yeah. pure horror, mental horror. Yeah, everyone's been in a hot dog costume, crashing an Oscar Mayer like Volkswagen through a storefront. Everyone's been in that situation in their own way. Everyone, everyone has offered to spank the culprits of a crime. Um, in their own spank way. their bare butts, balls, and back. Um, everyone know, is ashamed of knowing some porn sites better than they know the names of their own grandmothers. In their All own right. way. <laughs> in their own way, yes. Um, <laughs> everyone is a little bit like that. And Coffin Flop. I mean, Coffin Flop is a work of genius. Would yes. you agree, Max? It's, Coffin it's Flop, a... is, I, I couldn't stop rewinding on the episode <laughs> to watch it again. I think the best I think the best Coffin Flop is the one that's like, the coffin is resting on something, and the, and, and the a dead body bursts out of the side anyway. Like he, couldn't, like, he couldn't be contained by this coffin. So he just like flops out of the coffin sideways and just falls onto a, a young teenage boy. Exactly. <laughs> and okay, so, so we're thinking about the same one. That's the only body that falls out of a coffin that feels possessed. The rest, you yeah, know Yeah, the, the rest are like, well, maybe the wood is bad. Again, it's body after body busting out of shit wood and hitting pavement. But this is really the one that's like someone put a piston in <laughs> behind this guy because he busted out of the side of the coffin in a way he shouldn't have. Um, but that's why it's so good, man. And this season three, it's got a couple of sketches that I could totally see becoming all-timers. Uh, there's the Proposal Park sketch, which is very funny. Very, very funny. Um, very soft grass for you to propose on that is constantly being uh, hogged by amateur wrestlers practicing their wrestling moves, uh, sometimes on the patrons of the park. Um, and the little bit where the owner of the park briefly fr flashes the addresses of both the 
of both the wrestlers are tormenting him in order for people to dox them is very fun little detail. Um, yeah, man, I think you should leave. It's a wonderful, wonderful show that I hope everyone watches. Um, the third thing that I watched um, is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I saw uh, two nights ago. I saw it on Friday night. Um, and I want to cry. It's so good. I, I saw cry. It, I saw it on a Friday matinee in IMAX. Yeah. Um, I I also ran into the slight audio mixing issue that people have been talking about, but only with uh, the opening monologue. Okay, where the the music was mixed a lot louder than the dialogue. But that is the only complaint that I have, and it's not really a complaint. Like I just don't care. This it's it's yeah, the best. Yeah, I don't care. It's the best mainstream movie of the year for sure so far. Yes. And we haven't seen immediately. We haven't been able to see the movies coming out of Barbie, Cannes, for example. Or Barbie or Oppenheimer or Indiana Jones or Killers of the Flower Moon. We haven't been able to see any of that. But I don't give a shit. This movie's so good. <laughs> this movie's so good. I busted out of the theater, me and my friend who went to see it, we were both like, Holy shit, this movie's incredible. I did not expect this movie to be just as good, if not better, than the first one uh this feels big and epic but also tender and clever and gorgeous and dark unexpectedly dark they made spider-man 2099 a real threatening scary unhinged presence on screen they translated his character to the big screen um i do have one big disappointment you have your complaint i have mine uh japanese spider-man Nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. And I was promised by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller that he would be in this movie. And if he's in the background and that's your excuse, I'm going to bust a gasket. Like I'm going to <laughs> like I'm going to destroy my blood vessels. Because I'm gonna have to rewatch it again. When it comes out on digital, people are gonna freeze frame it to try and find Takuya Yamashiro. And frame if he's not there by frame. And if people find him and he's just in the background, I'm going to be very mad. I'm going to be so mad. Uh, but besides that... Well, Phil Lord and Chris that, Miller have also teased more spider people for the next one. There are some people we thing. haven't met yet. He, he, Phil Lord and Chris Miller made the promise when Across the Spider-Verse was a two-parter. It was Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and Part 2. So he may very well be in Beyond the Spider-Verse. There you go. Which he should. If he's not, I'm going to be mad. Um, I I don't know, man. It's This is just beyond all my expectations in every level. It was gorgeous to look at. It was gorgeous to witness. I love Gwen Stacy's character. I love her so much. I love Hobie Brown immediately. Two seconds of Hobie Brown and I'm already deeply deeply into the character um i love pavitur prabakar he's also amazing he's so fun and uh, well, karen sony's voice is so fun pause pause for a second there because obviously the, the the two main characters i would say of this particular movie are yeah miles and gwen right so count yeah. them out of it the they do a an enormous effort to make you feel their journeys of yes, the supporting spider cast is there a top three that you would like to... Oh, Miguel O'Hara easily. Okay. Miguel O'Hara is number one easily. Then uh, Peter B. Parker's daughter, who is immediately 
so fun so fun to look at i just like the idea of a little spider baby crawling around um and and peter is bringing her into battles and being like oh you better not tell your mom about this um and i gotta go with hopi brown just his 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 resignation or his like uh his refusal to accept anyone's authority is very funny to me. And the fact that he's like, oh, destabilize the multiverse, Miles, go do it. Sure, bro. Go go save your dad. I don't give a shit. <laughs> don't, don't listen to these people. He's very, he's very, very fun. And it's also Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. So it's impossible for him. Yeah, he's got a very he's got a very swaggy voice. Incredibly that being said, there's, cool. Yeah, there's also a bunch of other voices and other spider people in this. I uh I really like Taron Killam as the spider cowboy with the horse. Super fun. Sure. Taron Killam okay. plays that guy. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's, not, that's, that's not enough uh That's more of a uh, well, a cameo. Would you call it? That's a that? cameo, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh Andy Sam not enough Andy Samberg as Ben Riley. Not enough Andy Samberg. Um But he's funny though just, when he's on screen and talks. Yeah, he just narrating his every move. It's very funny. Um I I expected him to be a little more Nick Cagey in the sense that he's like or like a little more like John Mulaney, like having more of a presence in the movie. Because he is like Andy he was Samberg. doing his Nick Cage impression though at the start. He did anyway. a little bit of his Nick Cage impression. Uh, I'm this, uh, I don't know why they didn't invite Nick Cage to at least do a little cameo. Um, well, that's uh, that's because of the ending that we're not discussing. That's because of the ending that we're not discussing. Uh, yeah. Josh Keaton is in this. Your uh, Yuri Lowenthal Yuri is in Lowenthal. this. Very, 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 very briefly. But but I, I was happy. Very I, briefly. I pointed yeah. to the screen like Leo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. when I saw Yuri a couple. A couple pieces of archival footage from other movies. Um, uh, a, a, a fun cameo, a really fun cameo that I really dug. Absolutely. Um, a, a little, tri a, a little bit of Lego stuff. Yeah, man. There's this. I'm gonna do a Bill Hader thing. This movie's got everything: spider people, cameos, references, <laughs> a boy that can electrocute electrical equipment, a ninja spider man. And they have that thing called the human spider, which is that thing when a guy gets bit by a radioactive spider, he can go up walls and shoot webs. Um, that's my Bill Hader impression. Beautiful. Doing Stefan. Beautiful. Um, yeah, man. It's just, to me, the biggest miracle of, of this movie and its predecessor is that you immediately get Miles as a 100% three-dimensional character and you see him as separate or different from Peter Parker And it makes the character special. And, I mean, this is what every screenplay should do. But the fact that we admire it in superhero movies in particular. Because there's a lot of superhero movies where, like, you don't get who the character is until two or three movies in. Yeah, that's right. And then, and then they get given off to other screenwriters who have different visions. And you're like, but you're supposed to be part of the same franchise or whatever. And the first one, you immediately understand who Miles is what he wants, what he doesn't want. And in the second one, you understand how he's different from the narrative of the other spider people, uh, which is super, super interesting and super fun. And man, I love that movie. I love this movie. Easily my favorite movie of the year so far. Still gotta watch Indiana Jones. Still gotta watch. Still uh, holding out hope for Indiana Jones, even after the critical reception. I don't give a shit about the critical reception, man. I just, man, want, I just oh, want Harrison wow. Ford to whip some stuff. I just Pat want him to whip it and, and whip profession. it good. 
That is wow. I'm not look, I'm a, I'm a I'm an amateur movie critic. <laughs> but you can't spell amateur movie critic without movie critic. <laughs> yeah, man. You can't spell a term without two thirds of the term. Um Precisely. Yeah, that's mostly what I watched this week. And then I watched uh, this week's feature presentation, which was thoroughly unenjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, look, one last thing on on Across uh, the Spider-Verse. I don't mind getting sidetracked today. Uh, the spot <laughs> as a villain, in terms of his story arc, his origin, and the way that they show him evolving... I think it's really, 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 really clever. I'm going to give oh, people a super chance clever. to watch the movie so they can see it for themselves. But there's some obvious intentional things that they did with the spot that I found to be really, really good. And I'm looking forward to, uh, well, love to, to, to hear to Jason see where he Schwartzman. goes next. Yeah. Love Jason Schwartzman. Um, uh, this, I think this is going to cause the the spot to appear in a bunch of like Marvel Spider-Man PlayStation spin-offs cuz people are going to want to fight the spot now. But yeah, the I totally agree the way that the spot is used in this movie and how he becomes more and more sinister and more uh, empowered is super fun and super cool to see from a villain that's that patently silly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean He's he's a great villain in a different way than the Kingpin was a great villain in the previous film. Yeah, because and in a way, Miguel O'Hara is also the deuteragonist of this movie in a way, he's, or the he's or the an antagonist of the story, but yes. the main villain of the plot of this and the next yeah, it's, movie is it's the, the spot. spot really. Yeah, yeah, but Miguel O'Hara is still a very threatening insane presence and oscar isaac really nails that sort of timber and voice and oh man super cool absolutely yeah so okay. max here's we've, the thing we've only wasted we, we've only wasted about 10 minutes i'm oh my okay max um <laughs> you uh proposed this movie to fill the category of all-time stinkers sure um and we were both under the assumption that because uh, King Arthur had performed so admirably in the poll the previous week, we would get to watch King Arthur have a relaxing episode, and then we would focus on having whatever unhinged film came at us next. Uh, your plan backfired immediately, because turns out our audience, as nice as they are listening to our content, also hate us and want us to suffer. It's the reason they chose the Emoji Movie for me, and it's the reason they chose The Last Airbender for you. Um, I gotta tell you, man, I I shouldn't have given the backstory on movie. that film. I, sh I just shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't that. have. You, sh you really shouldn't have. Um, here's the thing. I'm one of the people who watched the movie before the cartoon. Because really? I, was not a, I was not a Nickelodeon watcher during the time that the show was on the air. I watched this the entire show in home media and then I rewatched it as an adult on Netflix and I think it's a delightful TV show one of the better animated TV shows I've ever seen um just very charismatic and full of heart and full of color 
and full of humor and action and cool ideas. And then there's this movie, which is a lifeless, boring, dull, nonsensical, dull movie. And I I don't know what to do with myself, man. Let me give some. More I saw this in the theaters because it's it's presumably what got us watching this movie in the first place. So contrary <laughs> to you, I was a big time Nickelodeon watcher as a young kid. Yeah, big I was time. Cartoon Network. I was I was Cartoon Network and I was Disney XD. Those were my things when I was a kid. And also I watched a lot of like DVDs of like Super like Challenge of the Super Friends and Transformers the animated series and Top Cat. Like I watched a lot of that stuff. Because uh, I have uncles with tastes. <laughs> That's what I have. Fantastic. Very good. So <laughs> the, the ones that I can remember vividly are SpongeBob SquarePants and yeah. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, I don't think I was in, into it right away just because it was on at times where I wouldn't be awake anymore. But in the lead up to season three nickelodeon germany did a what like month-long marathon of seasons one and two i saw all of them and then i saw the final season as it came out weekly i have to be very honest i'm not very nostalgic for that time in my life and in turn the stuff that I used to watch, I'm not very nostalgic for neither Spongebob nor Avatar, but I appreciate what they gave me at the time, which was a nice little bit of respite and relief and fun. Mostly fun, Yeah, I would say. Of course. So I, I'm not an, an, an Avatar The Last Airbender super fan. I'm a super fan of other stuff, stuff that I started watching when I was more, you know, mature, older. But uh, the legend still. of Korra. No, actually, I've, I haven't seen it yet. It's a fun. It's a fun show. That's nice. But, you know, this movie, I think, was it was it 2010? Yeah. So it, it came out two years after Avatar The Last Airbender wrapped up its original run on Nickelodeon. And exactly. My mom still remembered me sitting in front of the TV watching the Avatar The Last Airbender marathon, which is why she felt compelled to, I think it was, maybe it was a school holiday, you know, bring me to the cinema and watch the this adaptation, this uh, empty, sometimes dragging, sometimes rushing, yeah. Dull as fuck. It is not adaptation. it's not on my fucking time. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Are you gonna rush or gonna drag or are you gonna be on my fucking time? I right? think that might be the funniest thing you've ever said on the podcast. Yeah, I guess so. Um <laughs> a part of it is you. You gave me the alley oop. You gave me the alley oop. Um so, so I, have a, I have a confession to I make. don't think um what? I, I watched this movie at one point two five speed. But I think I still caught everything <laughs> that was important to catch about. Yeah, yeah. Um, should I explain the plot, or do we just assume that people have seen Avatar: The Last Airbender ah, go, and therefore know, kind of know? People aren't as nerdy as us. Please explain the plot. Okay, me. so I'm gonna explain it in my trademark 
entirely accurate, well-developed fashion. So this the story of The Last Airbender and the show that it is based on takes place in a world in which pe there are people that can control one of the four classical elements. That is to say, fire, air, water, and earth, right? And they do it by way of, like, cool little martial arts things, or sometimes they can just do it with their emotions. Sometimes they can just gesture with bending, which is one of my favorite things about the show. Like, people get mad, and suddenly fires become bigger. Um, like, they do, like, and then, like, a rock starts moving, which is one of the... If I could do it in real life, I would just levitate rocks every time I was frustrated at something. Um, so, uh, there is a character uh, called the Avatar who is empowered by spirits in a way that allows him or her or them to manipulate all four elements and have a special connection to the spirit world. Ooh. However, a hundred years, or a hundred and something years, before the events of this movie, the evil Fire Nation decided to embark on a journey of conquest across the world, and they started by killing the airbenders because they knew that the current airbender, the current avatar, would be an airbender. Uh, however, the protagonist of this movie, Ang, or should I say Ong, um, survives this purge of airbenders uh, by freezing himself in a ball in the sea for a hundred years therefore cryogenically freezing himself, but he also is not present to stop the Fire Nation from invading a lot of the world and causing untold misery, famine, illness, and death in their wake. A hundred years later, we find ourselves at the beginning of this story where two young people, a brother and a sister from the Water Tribe, find Ong. They find him in his little ice ball in the in the water they wake him up and they tell him hey here's the saying man you've been gone for a hundred years you little bastard and you're gonna help us fix this whole thing we're gonna get you to the northern water tribe so you can learn how to manipulate water uh because uh, so far you're the avatar you're a little kid and you only know how to manipulate one element and we need you to defeat the fire nation and this little kid is like I don't really want to do this because it makes me anxious and nervous. And also I'm 10 and this is a terrible idea. But let's go ahead because this is a movie for children. Um, so they go to the Northern Water Tribe. At the same time, B-Story, Max. B-Story. The son of the Fire Lord, who is the leader of the Fire Nation, if you couldn't tell. Um, the Prince Suko, who is the best character from the show. And really the best character in this movie. Uh, which is not saying much. I, he, I disagree. I think Uncle Iro is the best character in this movie. Oh, yeah, maybe. So Prince Zuko is the son of the Fire Lord. He's been banished by the Fire Lord, and he's been told, hey, you can't come back and have all your princely things unless you capture the Avatar and you bring him to me, which is a very cruel thing for a dad to do, considering that the Avatar is missing and presumed dead for the past hundred years. So... The story of this movie is an intertwining one between what's happening with Ang or Ong and his buddies going to the Northern Water Tribe and what's going on with Zuko's life in his breathless, endless pursuit of the Avatar's capture. Um, at the same time, there's also a very greedy Fire Nation general who wants to destroy the Northern Water Tribe 
by killing a couple of fish. And uh, so what happens is that the Fire Nation attacks the Northern Water Tribe, kills a couple of fish, and then Ong saves the fish and he uses a, a princess's spirit to help these fish. Uh, and Zuko does not capture the Avatar. And by the end of the movie, Ong knows how to manipulate water. And it sets up a tr the second installment of a trilogy that we would never get to see. And that is the story of this movie. And goddamn does it suck. So, to give a little bit of context, the original series was three seasons, 20 episodes each. So this movie is trying to yeah. squeeze 20 episodes worth of material into an hour and 40 minutes and you can tell yes. at some point you can tell that and here's the thing i because yeah. i was looking this up because it was a big thing to me i was like at the beginning of this rewatch because i had not watched this movie in a while i was like oh this movie's an hour and 40 that's mercifully short and then i looked it up because i was looking about little production and trivia facts to include for this taping this Ooh. recording turns out M. Night Shyamalan, his entire filmography is composed of small-scale, short, supernatural thrillers that are all clock in around 90 minutes, right? So, his first instinct with this movie was to cut it down to 90 minutes and then fill in all the subplots with narration, with text, with real clunky montages and just a lot of, a lot of snips snipping around and it and it's bad it's there there's several different types of exposition that we find in this film i wrote them all down <laughs> yeah. all the types yes. of um exposition that we find let me just look into my notes real quick all right so yes. obviously the most obvious type of exposition we have narration yes which i noted down i i, I guess this narration is coming from the characters at the end of the story already is, I think I is, guess, that, is that yeah. plausible? Okay. From the cool. non-existent third movie. After the non-existent third movie. There you go. Katara is narr narrating this whole thing. Hasn't aged a day. Uh, good. Okay. Then we have humiliation exposition speech. We have that mul multiple <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> there you go. And we have exposition conversation with a stranger. Yes. Do not go. forget reading. Do not forget reading at the beginning. Reading slash voiceover. Like voiceover of the well, thing well, that yeah, you're reading. Narration. That's narration. Yeah. But it's it's two types of narration at the same time, which is it it it's narration cubed. There you well, go. narration squared. Yeah. Narration cubed. I don't I don't think we have four different types of narration here. We have um repetition exposition. Yes. And we have whispering to yourself exposition. Yes. We have clunky conversation exposition. We have uh, dragon ex machina exposition. Dragon ex um, machina. We have we have exposition via dragon. Um Oh. Okay. We have we have key plot element revelations via dragon. Um we have scroll that was obtained off screen revelations. Uh, we have a bunch of revelations that come out of nowhere, or maybe came out of somewhere before this movie was cut down to 90 minutes for no reason. Oh, yeah. Exposition confessions. 
We have a bunch of those. Yeah. Which I, I, th I think the, the scroll, because the character says, I have a confession to make, Iro. You know, you see, <laughs> you remember that scroll that I didn't tell you about earlier? Well, it's coming out now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm bringing out the scroll. Um, Max, we have to do this show the way we intended it to, which is that, first mm -hmm. of all, we have to talk about the good stuff. Okay. I have one. I have three note. good things. Okay. Yes. All right. So um, you do your first two, then I'll do mine, and then you do your final one. How about that? Yes. The first one is Dev Patel. He's by far the best performer in this movie. He's really given it both barrels. All he's got. He's, he's been given committed. very bad material, and he's very committed to this performance. And he makes, and I can see a world where, in the hands of a better director, same cast, same production design, same effects, same everything, he would still shine because he's a star in the making at this point. I mean, he's a star, flat out, like a, a, a certain kind of movie star, but a movie star. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's uh, doing green, like. Slumdog Millionaire came immediately or started filming immediately after this movie um, or right before. I don't know. I think know. it was right before, uh, but regardless. <sighs> I apologize. But yeah, Dev Patel <laughs> is my first one. Um, my second one, I'll say the score is not terrible. It's a pretty, pretty good epic score. Yeah, when you get a competent musician, yeah. it's rare. That he's gonna, you know, fuck it up. Yeah, pretty rare. So um, the positive note two? that I wrote down is a brief scene. I guess it's a sequence. It's a two-shot sequence where Prince Zuko, after the humiliation exposition speech, <laughs> where his yes. origin story is explained. He leaves this dinner where this has happened, and his uncle Iro follows him, and he fights a couple of Fire Nation guards in the background whilst Uncle Iro is sipping on some tea. Mm -hmm. That's a funny shot. That's a funny shot. I like yeah. that shot. I I can, if I was tasked with remaking this movie, I would keep that shot. Okay. Yeah, that's fun. That's, that's um, all. What's your other positive? That's, that's, oh, that, was everything. My... that was everything. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, the last thing that I, I mean, I thought it was a positive and later it turned out to be a negative because it oh, was no. like the rest of the movie. Mercifully short. Mercifully, an hour, 40 minutes. It's, it's the reason this movie is so nonsensical and sort of jagged and weird. It's, it's short to it's, its so detriment. Short. Yeah. Yeah, it's short to its detriment, but it is short, I will say. Short and not sweet, but short. You know what? You know what? The opening title that is an, a, basically a shot-for-shot -shot remake of the animated series opening titles, the, the, those, those are recreated quite nicely. That, there you go. And another nice thing mm, that I managed to say. Kind of, I guess. Um, they, they look better animated, straight. obviously, but they don't of look course. horrible here. So let's go into the bad stuff. Um, we already mentioned... One of the many, well, I have many serious gripes with this movie. Because, again, this was a slog to sit through. This was not entertaining at all. This was not fun in a way that bad movies can be fun. Mm -hmm. This was just bad. 
and it's just boring and dull and lifeless. And my first note about real stuff that is bad is that it's lacking any of the charm or charisma. It is lacking all of the color. It is lacking all of the humor. And that is because they chose M. Night Shyamalan to do this. Oh. And I'm not saying I'm not saying M. Night Shyamalan is a bad director. I won't say that. He's the but wrong he's director for this. S- but he's the wrong director to adapt this in particular. I respect the fact that he's like committed to his vision and to the things that make him comfortable. That's to the fine. things that make you... him him. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. But there's just times when you're not you're not like appropriate for something. And this guy should have just said, no, this is not the thing that I do. Maybe, and that's me speculating about another human's life, so don't take this very seriously. Maybe he saw this as a final chance to break into making big blockbusters. Yeah. Even though, maybe I mean, Signs... Maybe he just needed to pay rent. Signs and the Six... That's also possible. Signs and the Sixth Sense... They weren't exactly blockbusters. They were low-key thrillers that became very successful. Yeah. To the level Unbreakable, of a blockbuster. Unbreakable was very successful. Uh, Split was very successful. Glass was moderately successful. Yeah, man. He's, he's he, Knock at the Cabin did pretty great. Old did pretty good. He's, he's, he doesn't make unsuccessful movies. And he, he has just makes kind niche, of monotone, relaxed movies. Yeah, he, he just very... makes really monotone, relaxed, laid-back movies that are like subtle and more low-key. And when you're making a Last Airbender, when you're making a fantasy movie in general, like a high fantasy martial arts thing, that's not a low-key thing, man. You high need concept a low key as dude well because there's technology in this world. Very as well. high concept, yes. It's Very not. It's not just uh, you know past. So a bunch of stuff you just don't take into consideration. Yeah, um, yeah. There's and it's just it's just locked in like his weird color palette and his clunky camera movements and the types of actors that he gets. These sort of monotone, inexpressive actors. And then when they try to do humor, it's it misses the mark, and it's oh my god, it's so boring. I feel like you have those a, those things that you've said. Of course, let me just, those things you've mentioned are inherently connected to the fact that the original show was animated, and so it yes, was able course. to be 100%. more colorful and was able to feel yes. more alive. Uh, it's this is. Uh, I think is this is this a remnant of the because we don't get whitewashing like this anymore today. Oh yeah, oh my god. Let let me explain what kind of whitewashing we get today. So there's Emma Stone in Aloha, <laughs> who's supposed <laughs> to be Asian American, but she apologized yeah. for it afterwards vehemently. It's like I shouldn't have, I just shouldn't have done that. And there yeah, she's made fun of it too. Ed's Ed Grain, is that how you pronounce his name? Was supposed to play a character of Asian ethnicity in the new Hellboy adaptation starring David Harbour. Yes. And he straight up just didn't and take the role. He straight up just didn't. He got replaced by another one, a oh, Ben Daimyo. Or rather, no. He took the role, got backlash for it, and then quit the movie. 
Yeah. But gracefully. Um, he here's put the, the movie thing, gracefully. There's the whitewashing only applies to the protagonist of this movie and uh, yeah. to the people that are supposed to be from First Nations, in particular like cultures that were inspired by Inuit and other types of native cultures that live in northern areas. Those are the ones that are whitewashed. Everyone else remains like, no, all the, all the uh, firebenders are Indian people or Pakistani people or Middle Eastern people. All of the Earth tribe people are Asian people, like Southeast Asian people. All the water tribe dudes are white. We're going to make all the water tribe persons white for yeah, no reason. Let, let me get a little, uh, I don't know, ecology on you. You know, the yeah. fact that the three main characters are white and the antagonist and supporting players who, well, the supporting characters at some point in the story stand in subordination to the three main characters. I think we can agree on that. Oh, yes. And the antagonist. I, and I know where you're going. And the antagonists are also uh, cast accurately. It paints some sort of a weird picture. Don't you mm -hmm. think? Paints a very weird pi picture, Max. I can tell you how weird this picture is. Um, another note that I have about this thing being bad. We already mentioned this, so I'm just going to very quickly say this. Uh, too much exposition, and it's often of the clunky variety or the out-of-order variety or the type that is just completely unnecessary. Uh, however, something else that I thought was bad, terrible dialogue, just the most stilted, vacant, repetitive, super boring, super annoying dialogue. Uh, I would have to check if this was in the script, but when Prince Zuko catches Ang and Ang wakes up after, I think, did he see, was, was he in the spirit world while he was kidnapped? I think he was. Uh, after he wakes up, he sees Prince Zuko whispering his own backstory back to himself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if Very that was weird. in the if that if, if that was in the script or not, but Jesus, I mean, dear God. Yeah, very strange. Um uh another thing, well we already said this terrible way to adapt a full season of TV into a movie. Um the bending itself. Uh the special effects aren't good. I'll just say that. This was the bending made, itself. This was made in the aftermath of the first James Cameron Avatar, where yes. a bunch of theaters around the world equipped themselves with 3D screens. And yes. the studio said, we got to put those to use. And so this movie wasn't 3D, and it has some of that 3D graphics cliche where yeah some of the elements or some of the martial artists are supposed to reach across the screen and the yeah. and the and audience is supposed to dodge the audience yes we're supposed to dodge <laughs> every meekly thrown plume of fire here's the thing the bending itself is very elaborate in the sense it's like it's too many martial arts movements and they do very little What's cool about the animated show is that you could just like punch the air and fire would come out of your fist. No, they have to do a full routine just to make a fire come out of a torch and hit a dude. 
and it just does not look good. It just looks like you just did a lot for very little. That's one thing. But the biggest thing that I have with this movie is there's a lot of changes that were made from the animated TV show for no reason. For absolutely no reason, for completely unnecessary reasons. One of them, and the one that I thought was the most blatant, is the fact that the firebenders can't create their own fire. I think that that's the one that's immediately coming to mind. It's like, wait, so you, so firebenders need to carry fire sources wherever they go, which means <laughs> that any self, which means that any good waterbender could just like grab a bucket, douse their bra- bra- brazier full of fire, their brazier full of fire, or whatever torch they've put on the ground. Any self-respecting firebender. The waterbender, even an earthbender, could just like put some sand on top of that baby, and then it's done. And the firebender campaign of conquest is done forever. Nobody thought about this. Nobody thought that like, oh, our entire power depends on our proximity to torches. You, you like, know what's funny? Um, I just thought of this idea. So let's say that there's a torch there, and a waterbender just sprays some water onto it. It'd be kind of funny to see the firebender then pick that torch up and sort of shake it around. And blow on it in order to dry it up real quick so that he can fight. Yes. But also the, the torch would be out so because he can't light the fire. Which is weird. What's cool about the anime TV show is like they have the innate ability to produce fire, which is such a destructive element. But the reason that they were even able to conquer the world is because the comet gives them the power to make comet level like or like blazing fire, like they show it in the cartoon, like the Fire Lord can just like burn the entire countryside by himself while the, while the comet is blazing through the sky, which is cool. It's a better visual than like, I can finally just project fire out of my hands and I can become a vaguely more competent person, which makes, here's the thing, it either makes the firebenders super competent, even though they shouldn't be, unfairly competent. Or it makes the entire rest of the world super incompetent in the sense that, like, nobody can figure out that these people depend on torches or pits full of fire and just, like, throw a bucket over that thing or, like, a, or like a damp rag. Just throw a damp rag on top of that, put a lid on that pot full of fire, and the fire will go right out, baby. Maybe the Fire Nation represents big oil. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> That's exactly what it represents, buddy. It represents big oil <laughs> slash American imperialism. Because they're like, they're bringing their big machines made of metal to minor resources. You're like, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> you, I don't know if you never thought of that. But it's just like, it's, it's visually, it's a bad translation. Like, there's a bunch of scenes where, like, the most simple of bending tasks requires six dudes and like 30 seconds of movement before a boulder lifts up and is thrown against the enemy and it just does not make for fun action and the thing is like bending there's a way for bending to look cool on screen and live action this is just not it yeah i think a compromise they could have perhaps done is while you learn to bend a certain element you have to do these elaborate moves in order to become one with the element but once you yes once you have it down just punch the air kick something uh uh anything really yeah um uh another note about serious stuff because this is all serious stuff my friend 
um, bad plotting. And I think this is a consequence of the cutting around because there's a lot of subplots mm -hmm. that are reduced into like a line of narration. There's a lot of stuff that happens that way. There's uh, there's a lot of like inconsistent lines of dialogue where like Sokka or way, the way his name is pronounced in this show or this movie, Sokka, uh, he says he he says something like, we started a rebellion. And you're like, wait, this war has been going on for a hundred years. You didn't start anything, you dumb idiot. You mentioned it earlier in the movie. Then there's this thing about uh, Katara, Soka, and Aang arrive at the air temple, right? Katara, in narration, says Ong's name, uh, mentions Ong by name. And then in the subsequent scene, Katara's like, so hey, boy we've been traveling with for all this time, what's your name? Which is really weird. It's just very, really, very strange to me. Yeah, you have, um, you have two ex examples of rushing. I would say. Yes. And then you drag whenever there's an action sequence because those are always too long. Those are always too long. And then another way to drag is the fact that they repeat the same things four times. Yes, there's multiple calls to action. <laughs> I think I think Aang learns and twice that he should go to the Northern Water tribe. <laughs> they tell him twice. Yes. That's true. Okay. They tell him twice. Not only do they tell him twice, but then they, we cut to the Fire Lord. And the general, Zhao, is telling the Fire Lord, we think he's going to the Northern Water Tribe because he only knows how to manipulate his birth element of air. We believe he's trying to manipulate the discipline of water. Um, that entire in the Northern monologue, Water Tribe. That entire monologue is him saying, I think and maybe over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. It is my strong belief. Exactly. Yes, it is my strong belief. Your boss, which is, why, do you, why don't you know? Just just say that you know. And if you yeah, don't know, I mean, then don't tell me. Find out for certain. Um, there's another unnecessary change to the cartoon. Uh, the fact that Ong's motivation for running away is that he was told that he can't have a family. When in the cartoon, it's a very perfectly plausible, he's 10 and he's the Avatar. He's 10 years old, being the Avatar is way too much for him. He runs away. And in this one, it's like, no, you can never have a family. Um, and you're, we fucking hate you, you stupid idiot. And then <laughs> Ong is like, I'm going to run away. I'm going to doom the entire world because I can't have kids. Which is the implication this movie wants us to believe. And it's very, very weird and boring. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, well, if I'm the Avatar, I can't have a family. Nothing about my motivations have changed. I have implied that I want to have a family, but I have to be the avatar for, like, I don't have a choice. I'm being forced to be the avatar. And nothing is better for a protagonist than being forced into a situation, like being forced to accept a situation. That's what all storytelling should be. All heroes should be belligerent heroes. All, all heroes should be reluctant, dragged along heroes that are constantly put in a box and told, hey, Everything we've, the way we've written you is not consistent with the situation you're in, and you're gonna accept it anyway. And audience, you're gonna eat your stupid popcorn, you're gonna fart in your cinema seat, Jesus. and you're gonna go home. That's that's what's gonna happen. This has got you angrier than the Emoji Movie, man. I I can feel it. No, I can look, feel it across I'm, the airwaves. Very, I can feel it across continents. I'm being very mellow. I'm being very <laughs> mellow because this, the Emoji Movie. The reason I'm mad at the Emoji movie is because I should not be lost 
I should not be mad at the Emoji Movie. You know what I mean? The Emoji Movie is a very bland, dumb, cynical movie. Mm-hmm. This is an actual work of evil, I guess. This is an actual. This is like this kind of like Tom Hopper winning an Oscar for The King's Speech, and then making Cats. Like it's just it's just a oh. big old one eighty for. It's just Satan coming back to collect <laughs> on his half of the deal. The way that's that's what Honest Trailer says about Tom Hopper. Um, sure. And this is kind of what it is for Shyamalan to me. Like he made one of the best thrillers I've ever seen, which is The Sixth Sense. It's a little mainstreamy and overrated, but it's still a very fun movie if you've never seen a movie before. Um, and then he made Unbreakable, which is one of the best superhero movies out there. And he made Split, which is a very fun movie. He made it after, um, he made it after Last Airbender. That's true. He made a bunch of dumb movies like Lady in the Water and The Happening, but The Happening is an actually fun bat movie because it's just Mark Wahlberg running away from trees. It, that's a fun movie. It's um, the wind. It's the wind. And then there's a conversation about hot dogs. It's a cool thing. It's a whole thing. I remember. I, think- I remember seeing the trailer for The Happening in theaters. When I was either 10 or 11, and I was terrified. Yeah. I was genuinely really, 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 really scared. that's because kids are dumb. Yeah, that's true. To be fair, kids are (laughs) dumb. To be fair. You hear that, kids? I'm 100% right. You are stupid. You hear that, all kids? (laughs) Shots fired. Um, Yeah, that's all the serious notes I have. I have a bunch of random notes, because this is bad. Well, uh... It's empty, I would add. I don't feel like I got to know the characters. I don't feel like yeah. I got to know the world. Well, yeah, me neither. Yeah, modern sci-fi world that's interesting and not quite modern. Dune takes its time to show you the world oh, yeah. and what it's about and what kind of technology they have in order to progress the story along and you know some people yes. find dune to be a little long I'd, I'd rather have that i also enjoy dune thoroughly but i yeah, enjoy I'd, dune I'd rather have it be really long than constantly rushed then dragged and rushed along again yeah no crazy i want it to be on my fucking time um <laughs> i have a bunch of random notes do you want to get into random notes because i don't i don't have a lot of energy for this movie i guess um, I, one of the plot, I think someone in the spirit world tells Aang, you just got to get over your grief, man. You just stop being sad, bro. Like, come <laughs> hey, on. Hey, man, you know how you're sad? You, you should stop. Have you ever thought about not being sad? <laughs> hey, you're, are you sad? Have you ever thought about chilling? <laughs> Have you ever thought about, like, not killing the vibe, bro? Easy, man. Come on, dude. Hey, you're told. Stop killing my vibe, my- man. Stop harshing my mellow, bro. What are you doing? Um, yeah, it's a mess. This movie's a mess. There you go. And with that, it's we'll go into uh, just random uh, nitpicks, also known as notes. Please, Pat, random notes. take us away. Um, I have a big problem with the name changes. Uh, they call Ang Ong. <laughs> they call Saka Soka. They call Iro Ido. Oh. Uh, so I, I, I've gotten it wrong from the original series as well. I apologize. Um, very, very, very weird. I was half expecting Katara to be Kotara, like a weird pronunciation. Very weird pronunciation. 
Um, another random note. This is bad acting even by kid actor standards. And then I watched the later work of Nicola Peltz, who plays Katara, and Jackson Rathbone, who plays um, Soka. And they are both... Uh, they both do bigger movies. Uh, Nicola Peltz was in Transformers 4. I remember and that. Jackson she, Rathbone... She's power, She's part of the very, very creepy side plot that, that was yeah, she's, in... She's, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a central figure of the very creepy side plot in Transformers 4. That's true. Which I don't think we will gratiate with time on this show. Um... Jackson Rathbone plays a character in all five Twilight movies. Oh, he's a central character. He's he's one of the Cullen people. He's one of the Cullen mem. He's a member of the Cullen family. Good for him. He's he's the guy called Jasper. I haven't seen Twilight bag. in a while. Get that bag, I guess. Um, and they don't get much better, really. They're not they're not great performers. They're just white and cute. Um, in in this young. movie specifically, they they don't get that. In much this movie better. specifically. They don't really get that much better. Nicola Peltz, I'm sure, delightful person, not a great performer. Yeah, no, she, just... she, she, uh, she is the, or rather, Brooklyn Beckham is her husband. He married into her family. That's right. That's right. You're right. The test through which Ido and Zuko determine Ang's identity or Ong's identity. I hate it so much as the Avatar, mm -hmm. is a test that could be easily uh, performed by, um, or a test that could be easily passed by mistake by a candle being blown out by wind um, and water assembling itself the way it would if a boat was rocking, uh, which would only really prove that the character in front of you is an earthbender. So this test is very stupid. Um, why would you treat Appa this way? Why did you make Appa creepy? Why did you not make him the fluffy, cute boy he is in the animated show? Why would you do this to us? Um, let, let me ask you a question. Is there a way, in juxtaposition here, to make Totoro, from my neighbor Totoro, yes. cute in live action slash CG? Yes. You think so? It's called... It's called Spend some time on him. It's called dedicate time and effort and thought into him. And you will create something cute. I think some animated characters should just stay that way. Should not be adapted into CG oh, for I a live action I 100% film. agree. I 100% agree. And yet, here we are. Um, uh, a lot of narration inconsistencies. Um, why can't firebenders create the fire? Any waterbender could just beat them easily. Conversely, a wall made out of snow is something that a guy that can project fire from his hands would make short work of. Yeah, or, um, or, or at least, you know, make it so that they can produce excessive amounts of body heat so that puts his palms on this wall of snow and the snow melts. Yes, which is, again, the whole thing that you need the comet to produce fire with your own chi is immediately disproven when Zuko who is admittedly a novice at using his chi, can use his chi to warm his hands up and get into the water tribe, which is a carryover from the show. Um, but it's still dumb. Um, all of the revolutionary actions of Team Avatar and all of their episodic 
Monster of the Week adventures are reduced into a village-saving montage that includes little bits and pieces from certain episodes. If you're a real eagle-eyed viewer, you might be able to catch some of them. So go, um, so go ahead, go back and watch this movie. I dare you. Yeah. Um, why would you replace Avatar Roku with this weird dragon character when Avatar Roku is right there and he's a person that you can talk to and emote off of? This poor kid who plays Ong again. I don't think he's a terrible person. I think I'm sure he's a delightful dude, but he's not a good actor in this movie. Um, why would you remove the ability for him to emote against a human character by placing him in this badly color corrected forest void with a dragon spirit? I don't know why you would do this. Um, there's a lot of wonky zoom in and zoom outs and camera stuff. Um, I have a note that says, man, this blows. Um, oh, <laughs> there's, there's a scene in, there's a scene in the movie where Ong uses airbending to put a bunch of fog around him. And General Zhao is like, what is this? And I looked at the screen and I told the character, it's called airbending, you dumbass. It's fog, just walk him? through it. It's First of all, it's fog, just walk through it. But also the fact that he's mystified that an airbender can move air around is just very stupid lying to me. It's like... It's one. It's a line that a character in that sort of situation would say in any other movie, but not this one, because he knows that the character is an airbender. It's like, well, what can an airbender do? Move air. Make air move around. Um, Ong, that weird fight scene when the blue spirit rescues Ong, there's a bunch of sequences where the fights make no sense. Ong fights a bunch of firebenders and armed martial arts bastards by throwing them or by like pulling them into a box full of made of doors and then pushing them back out with minimal to no injuries um which is not how you fight someone and and, um, and also that that's not how your limbs would react by you know after getting smacked against wood exactly 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 um yeah uh, the entirety of Sokka's character arc is reduced to little more than little narration especially when it comes to his relationship with ua and entire the entire span of his relationship with ua is resolved in a couple of lines of dialogue or in a couple of lines of narration which is bad um rushing yeah man i have nothing else i just said man this blows do you have any random notes well i've sort of ad-libbed my notes into your notes and mentioned most yeah. of what i have to say about this movie you good bad you were or the nitpicky. i spice to my taylor swift you were the i spice to my taylor swift just saying facts after i say a verse right i've i There's haven't one heard that person song. in my life who's going to enjoy that reference i haven't There's heard one that person song. in my life who's going to enjoy that reference yeah and two it's a, perhaps it's a good two listeners and perhaps two listeners of this show Two listeners of this show, including a person in my life who's going to enjoy that reference. It's a good remix. I enjoyed it. But it is a very funny meme of like Taylor Swift just saying a lyric and then I Spice just saying facts in the background. Just ad-libbing facts in the background. Uh, the point where uh, my mother and I walked out of the theater is when Ang gets back from the spirit world and starts uh, Excuse to me, Ong? 
I'm trying to do the pronunciations from the original show, okay? <laughs> he gets back from the spirit world and starts to create the wave. So it turns out I didn't miss that much of the movie anymore. But still, uh, my mom just felt like it was better for both her and my sake mm -hmm. to leave the movie early back when it first came out. Not as cool as the out. giant fish. Not as cool as the giant fish. You got any more notes? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'm done too. I would build this, this movie film blows. around this lovely brief comedic scene with uh, Iroh. Uh, watching Zuko I'm sorry, fight people. Ito? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. And yeah, so these were the adventures of Ong and his friends. Um, make the movie two uh, and a half hours and don't be afraid of, you know, exploring the world a, a little more. Make it more yeah, sci-fi. Have some fun. Um, don't give this to M. Night Shyamalan. Not to say that he's a bad director. He's just the wrong director for this sort of world, which is like all about the color and the charisma and the humor. Um, here's the thing, Max. They're making another live action version of this show. It's not a movie. It's going to be a shot for like a TV show yes. by Netflix. The creators were initially on board. Now they're not. And they started Avatar Studios and they're making animated projects, including a Zuko movie that's going to come out in a couple of years, which I am very excited about. And they're also making a TV show about the avatar that comes after Korra, which is something else I'm excited about. So if you need you your think... avatar fixed, there's going to be stuff in the future. Sorry, I interrupted you rudely there. What were you going to say? Here's the question that I have for you. Do you think there's any way this new live action adaptation is going to be any good? No. No, me neither. This is not quite but... an anime adaptation. Right, because anime live action adaptations are doomed from the start. This is, this is technically not anime. This not is anime. Not anime. Not anime. anime. It's western, but yeah. it's the western show that comes closest to the, yeah. that sort of ethos. Yes, indeed. So it's probably gonna suck. I'm gonna try and watch it anyway. I think. And then you'll just report what, back to us what it is. on the show if and it's any good or not. I'm, I'm going to be um, the Netflix correspondent for the bomb shelter. Um, Beautiful. Max, what do we replace this movie with? Do you just want to do... This is... I'll, I'll, I'll get more upset because somehow during this podcast you got more upset than I did. I, I've been laughing yeah. a lot. It's a, a movie that won't make me laugh is Crash. Oh, you want to put this in the all-time famous bat movies? It's by far the worst Best Picture Oscar winner ever. I The same way that there was a certain lecturer uh, that we both Green know. Book. I think Green Book. The same way that there was a lecturer that we both know that put me onto some really nice stuff. I had an argument during and after class with the same lecturer about Crash and how I still think that it sucks ass and that it's a travesty that it beat Brokeback Mountain to the Best Picture Oscar of that year. Yeah. So we're going to do Crash, I guess. Um, Max, this has been very infuriating for me, but it was delightful <laughs> to talk to you. I'm, 
I I know <laughs> I'm gonna level with you. The tone of your voice doesn't seem like you had a good time, but I'll take your word for it. No, I'm being very monotone. Partly it's because I'm a little sleepy right now. But oh, the other okay. part is that this movie was very boring and it was just a slog to sit through. And I'm glad I don't have to watch it anymore. You know, 1.25 speed helps there. Immensely. I, I will take your word for it. I watched it at 0.5 speed because I hate myself. <laughs> nice. There you go. Nice. Building on Max. bits. Tell Max. me. Where can people find you? People can find me out and about. I'm, I'm around, man. Uh, they can also find me on Instagram at uh, Masswer and on Letterboxd at Masswer11. Those are the only social medias that I actually use. So they're yep. the ones that I'm giving out on this show. Pat, is there somewhere out there that, where people can find you? Um, as far away from this movie as possible. But physically, or semi-physically, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Pat is an idiot. Um, before we go, Max, if you could bend an element, which one would it be? Earth, I think. Oh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Water is really the most powerful one. You can just make razor blades and instantly freeze matter. Yeah. Which is very versatile. However, I could not think of a day-to-day -day use for, like, tentacle whips and razor blades made of ice and water. And I can find an everyday use for being able to, like, slide around on pieces of earth. I would just, that's, that's how I would go home. I would not pick up the bus. I would not have a car. I would just earthbend my way through life. There's, like, earthbenders that can, like, fall into the ground and, like, underground rise at wherever they need to go. Uh, I would never use an elevator again. Um... I would be so buff. I would be so buff if I was an earthbender too. <laughs> really, really engages your core, absolutely, and your leg muscles, and your and your shoulder muscles. I think. And that was an awkward silence. <laughs> and that was an awkward silence, uh, Max. This was super fun, and we will see. Listen, we will be here next week, same time next week. Yeah, uh, for all y'all to listen to us talk, probably about King Arthur. I hope it's about King Arthur and not Crash, because I don't want Max <laughs> to be mad. I want to talk about a movie that I actually enjoy, which is King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. Um, so please vote for that one. I don't want to manipulate your votes, particularly in an election week for people that live in Estado de México and Coahuila. Um, <laughs> but please, but please. Please don't make us watch Crash. We can watch Crash later. Please give us a week where everything is nice for both of us. Please. I mean, yeah, you know, you know what? You're allowed to manipulate our poll specifically. You're not undermining <laughs> an institution of democracy here. Um, no, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> not, right. I'm, not, this I'm was, not undermining the choice of our viewers a little bit. But this was fun. This was lovely. And uh, I hope you enjoy it to wallow in Pat's misery and me laughing. <laughs> and yeah. we'll see you next week. We will see you next week. Have a great week. Be happy you deserve it.